0: All right. Thank you, Pastor Luke chapter 12 in your Bibles. Thank you for being here tonight. It's good to be in the Lord's house here as we transition from Christmas into the New Year's. I trust everyone had a wonderful Christmas time. Uh, I hope you got to enjoy exchanging gifts as a family, uh, spending time with family. Uh, I know uh, we enjoyed eating a lot of delicious food. That was a blessing. Maybe playing some games. We did some of that or Uh, maybe uh, watching some football. I didn't do any of that because I know how my team was going to (laughs) do. Or watching Christmas classics. Uh, I trust most importantly, though, you were able to spend some time remembering Christ's birth and the reason for Christmas. But then suddenly, like that, Christmas is over. I remember as a kid, you know, the feeling when Christmas was over, it was just just sort of sort of sad, you know. I mean, I had my gifts, and I was excited about the gifts, but just the fact that Christmas was 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 done, and you know, you had all this build up. It started all the way back in May, you know. <laughs> it seems like every year it gets earlier with all the decorating and stuff being sold. But all of a sudden, Christmas is over. Now what? And that's the title of my message tonight. Christmas is over. Now what? Now, if you're anything like our family, last couple of days, we've been spent, uh, spending the days cleaning up and putting our presents away. Uh, you know, making returns and buying the things, you know, that maybe we meant to get. Uh, putting decorations away. There's a lot of work to do after Christmas. And not to mention just that, but going back to work, you know. And uh, Andrew's home from college, and so he's trying to get some uh, college money here. And so he went back to work today. And uh, he's going to be working 12-hour shifts over the next week just trying to get some money. Yeah, going back to work, uh, I think a lot of us, that's uh, what happens after Christmas is done. But what was it like for the Lord Jesus Christ when Christmas was over? All those individuals that we read about there in the Christmas story came to visit. And it was, there was excitement there, obviously, with the angels and the shepherds. And, but then when it was all over, what now? Well, you know, I think for Jesus, it was a lot like us. Um, there was work for him to do. And I want to talk tonight about the reasons why Jesus came. You know, if it, Jesus had just come and that was it, we'd be in big trouble. But I'm thankful that Jesus came to this earth with a purpose. And I'm so thankful for his birth. But I'm thankful for the purpose and the reasons that he fulfilled in coming to this earth. <clears throat> and we find <clears throat> 12 12 reasons that Jesus gave why he came to this earth. Now, my message has 12 points in it. I've calculated that I need to do two and a half minutes per point, okay? Pastors over there are looking with big eyes, like, is he going to get done in time? We're going to do our best. Maybe we don't get through all of them. We're going to try, though. But listen, tonight, I believe that when we have a better understanding of why he came, then I believe we'll have a better understanding of why we are here let's look at the purpose, 12 reasons Jesus gave why he came. Now, he used a couple different phrases. He said, I am come that. He said, the Son of Man has come for this purpose. And so we'll see some of those. But notice number one in our outline, Jesus came to divide. You say, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting something more positive. Well, Jesus came to divide. Notice in Luke chapter 12, verses 51 through 53, we'll just see verse 51 here. He says, suppose ye, That I am come to give peace on the earth? That sounds familiar, doesn't it? But notice what he says. I tell you, nay, but rather division. Let's go on to verse 52. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three. And he goes on to mention the wife divided against the husband and the children divided against the parents. And he talks here about division. Someone says, well, Brother Brandon... We just had Christmas, and I remember the angels announced peace, you know, in Luke 2, 14, peace on earth. Well, I think that was actually more of a prophecy than it was a proclamation. One day, there will be peace on this earth. One day, Jesus Christ is coming back. I hope it's soon. And the Bible tells us that the lion is going to lay down with the lamb. There will be perfect peace on this earth. But when Jesus came that first time, it brought division. You know, I know missionaries that deal with this all the time. They work hard to see someone get saved, a person get saved, and then, you know, there's this struggle because if they get baptized, a lot of times there's persecution and different things. But finally, the day comes, they have enough courage and they get baptized, and it results in their family shunning them, acting like as if they're dead. Can you imagine? Folks, this happens all over the world. In fact, I know people in our church that this has happened to. Jesus Christ came, and his coming brought division. The Bible talks about the fact that the world, Jesus said the world would hate us as the world hated him. John 15, and verse 18. You know, the dividing line between the world and the Lord is becoming so much clearer, isn't it? Let me ask you this. When the line is drawn, on which side will you stand? Are you standing for God? Jesus Christ came, and his coming brought division. I want to tell you something. I want to be on the winning side. I want to be on his side. I want to be there standing for the Lord when he comes back again, faithful for him. Notice number two, Jesus came to fulfill the law, or the blanks, fulfill the law. I think there's a lot of confusion about the law these days in, in church. But Matthew 5.17, this is where we find what Jesus said about his reason in coming. He said, Matthew 5.17, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. You know, there's a lot of people in churches these days that look at the law in a negative sense. Now, we understand that we're not saved by the law. We understand that from the scripture. In fact, Galatians 3 and verse 24 tells us what the purpose of the law was for us before we were saved. It says, "Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster. A schoolmaster involves something that's going to be taught. What did it teach us? It taught us that we couldn't save ourselves. You go down to the Ten Commandments, and we're guilty of all of them, aren't we? I mean, even when it talks about killing someone, Jesus said if someone has anger towards somebody else, he's... Murdered had that same attitude of murder in their heart already. Think on a woman that's that's you're not married to, committed adultery in your heart already. You just go down to that list, lying, and oh wow, we're guilty. And yes, the law helped us understand that we needed a savior, but Jesus said, The reason I came was to fulfill the law, not to destroy the law. Now, someone says, Well, brother Brandon, aren't we living? in uh, in a time of grace and not the law, and and, and that is true. We are living in a time of grace, and I'm so thankful for that. But Jesus Christ made it clear, even though we're living in a time of grace, a a time that he ushered in with his coming to this earth, he didn't come to destroy the law, to abolish, to do away with the law. Sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, uh, uh, we're we're, we're under grace. And and what they mean by that is we can do whatever we want now. Well, I don't find that in the Scriptures. See, folks, what the law was, was it was God's desire for us. It was God's perfect will for us. And as Christians, now that we're saved, the law ought to be something precious to us. We ought to have the same attitude that David had in the Scriptures. Uh, In Psalm 119, David said, Oh, how love I thy law. Let me ask you, do you wake up every morning? And find out His will for your life. Open His manual for your life and how you should live your life. The law of God is a wonderful thing. The Bible says it converts the soul. But it does so many more things than that. Are you getting into the law each day and letting it change your life? Galatians 5.13 tells us this. Use liberty for an occasion to flesh. It says don't do that. And people that say, oh, we're under grace but not under the law... A lot of times what they're trying to do is explain the fleshly living that they're doing. But The Bible tells us we should be doing something else, but by love serve one another. I'm so thankful that Jesus fulfilled the law. But I'm also thankful that he didn't come to abolish it. He came to give us an example of how we as Christians can live in victory by taking heed the wisdom that we find in the law of the Lord. Notice number three, Jesus came to do his, the blanks are Father's will. To do his Father's will. We see this in John 6, 38 through 39. Jesus expresses this reason why he came. He says, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Someone says, Well, Brother Brent, I have a question. Wasn't Jesus' will the Father's will? Was there a contradiction there? No, there wasn't a contradiction. Yes, Jesus' will was perfectly the Father's will. Well, then why did the Lord say this? We well, you know, the Lord said a lot of things in Scripture and did a lot of things in Scripture as an example to us, an example that he wanted us to follow. And the Bible tells us in John 10 and verse 30, yes, their will was one. He said, I and my Father are one. His will was his Father's will, because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was God. But he expressed this as an example to us, that we should be here to do the Lord's will. It was tested quickly for Jesus as a young boy. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 49, after he had grown up a little bit, after he was born, it says there, he said, said unto them, how is it that you sought me? Jesus' parents came looking for him. They were frantic. They couldn't find him. Maybe you've had this with your children. Maybe you were one of the child, children that were lost at one point. I can remember that in my life. And they were looking for Jesus, and they found him in the temple. And, and his parents, his earthly parents, they rebuked him. Why didn't you tell us where you are going? And Jesus' response we find here is very revealing. He said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? I don't think that he said this in disrespect to his earthly parents. I I think he still honored them. I think he still uh, showed honor in, in what he said here. But he showed something important. And it was something that they came to understand early on in his life. That Jesus was here not to fulfill his earthly parents' will, but to fulfill his heavenly father's will. Hey, if Jesus came here to do the will of his Father, I think we should also have that same attitude. We're not here to make more money. God's purpose for us on this earth isn't for us to build bigger houses or to drive more expensive cars or or to become more famous. God's purpose for us as Christians on this earth is to do the Father's will. I'm not saying those things are wrong. But let's remember, folks, as we start this new year, let's be about our Father's business. Jesus came to do his Father's will. Notice number four. Jesus came to bring judgment. It's another one of those ones that you sort of say, wait. Sounds sort of negative. Well, notice John 9 and verse 39. Jesus, again, reveals a reason why he came to this earth. It says, and Jesus said, for judgment I am come into this world. That they which see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. He happened to be speaking to the Pharisees here. and I think that last phrase applied to them. So someone looks at this and says, Brother Brandon, how is this not a contradiction to a verse like John 3.17? Where it says, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Well, I think both things can be true at the same time. And I think the difference is in our attitude toward Jesus and why he came. Because the Bible tells us in John 3 and verse 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. You say, I thought Jesus came to save. He did. But you have to receive him. If you don't receive him, verse 36 makes it very clear what happens. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Jesus said in Luke 12, 49, I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? Jesus says, folks are dying and going to hell. If you reject me as Savior, then you'll have to pay for your own sins in a horrible place of fire. When Jesus came, it brought both judgment for those that reject him and salvation For those that received him. Now, can I say this for us as an application? We need to be doing our best to help snatch others out of the fire. Think about that verse there in Jude some saved with compassion, others snatching from the fire. Well, we need to be busy keeping others from judgment. Notice number five another reason why Jesus said he came Jesus came to light the world. Light is the blank. John 12 and verse 46, he said, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Boy, people are, in blind, are blind and in darkness, aren't they? We went down recently to pick up Andrew in North Carolina from uh, college where we actually went, and there's a city near there where we did a lot of our shopping and going to eat or whatever uh, called Shelby, and uh, it's right there in the heart of the Bible Belt. They say the buckle of the Bible belt. But I got to tell you, folks, from the time that I was there, 20-some years ago, things are different. The drugs, it's just, it's unbelievable how, how badly it's gotten, how far people have gone in blindness. And you just look around, you don't have to look far, and men and women, boy, they are blind to the truth, aren't they? John 12 and verse 40 tells us, he had blinded their eyes, and harden their heart, talking about the old devil, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. But just as Jesus came to give light in this dark world, he's called us as Christians to do the same. How else are they going to see? And Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is heaven. Folks, if they don't see the difference in our life, they're not going to see that light. And they're not going to see the way to God. How are you doing at being a light in this dark world? We're at number six. Sixth reason Jesus said that he came. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. To call sinners to repentance. And we're in Matthew 9 now in verses 12 through 13 where Jesus said, But when Jesus heard that that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician. But they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, here it is, but sinners to repentance. The word repentance is the Greek word metanoia. It literally means a change of mind. I like this definition that I heard one time. Repentance is really a change of mind that results in a change of action. If you change your mind about something, it's going to change the way that you live, the things that you do. And in order to be saved, you have to repent of your sins. You have to repent when it comes to what you're believing about. The Bible talks about them repenting, turning from idols to the living God. That means they changed their mind about those idols saving them, and they put their faith in the fact that Jesus Christ, and he alone, would save them. Repentance. You know, as we witness to people, it's important that we help them understand the fact that we're sinners. And that we need to repent from our sins. Jesus came to confront sinners about their sin. And we need to do that lovingly through the love of Christ. But help people understand why they need to be saved is because we're all sinners. Notice number seven. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. We need to be calling sinners to repentance as well. But number seven. Jesus came to minister and give his life. To minister and give his life. We see this in Mark 10 in verses 44 through 45. Where the Bible reads, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus said, the reason I've come isn't to be ministered to, although that's what he deserves, isn't it? But he said, no no, that's not why I came. I came to minister To others. The word minister there is diakoneo. Sounds a lot like the English word that we have, deacon. Well, I'm so thankful for the deacons in our church. So thankful for their ministry. The word literally means to serve. So thankful for their service. But you know, it's not just the deacons that need to serve in a church, the pastors need to do that too. We all need to be part of serving one another. Jesus came. Not to be ministered to, but to minister others. Let me ask you this. When you come to church, do you come with the purpose of serving somebody else? Of being a blessing to someone else? Or do you come just to receive a blessing? I think it's a big difference in our attitude. But Jesus says, let this mind be in you. The same mindset that Jesus Christ had in Philippians 2 and verse 5. And what was that? thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Took upon him the form of a what? Servant. Came in the likeness of men. And he submitted himself to the death. Humbled himself to the death of the cross. And let me tell you, it takes humility to serve others. But if we get lifted up in pride, we think that others owe us service. You know, Temple Baptist Church would be a great place if we all determine to serve one another. There's so many opportunities to serve in our church. Whether it's serving little children, Jesus said, Suffer not the little children to come to me. With serving little children, seeing them memorize scripture and it was such a blessing to me. Seeing them get saved, seeing them grow in the Lord in our youth group, but then in our Sunday school ministry. And we have, a, we have a ministry that we go out to the, the retirement home. All sorts of opportunities. Those folks that prepare food so that we can eat and go out on visitation or, or have men's prayer breakfast. And bring unsaved people to hear the gospel and be around other Christians. Listen, folks, there's all sorts of opportunities to serve. Let me ask you, are you doing like Jesus? Are you here to serve others? Notice number eight. Jesus came to preach. Jesus came to preach. We see this in Luke 4 and verses 18 through 19. Jesus declared, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty then that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Let me tell you, preaching heals brokenhearted ones. Preaching reveals God's timing. He said the acceptable year of the Lord. Preaching brings deliverance. But I want to tell you, preaching is becoming less popular these days. There were some young preachers online, and they were writing on a forum. And one of them said, oh, you know, I think preaching's archaic. I think we could do some other things that would bring more people into our church. And they started going back and forth with different ideas. And one guy said, yeah, I, I don't remember what, what he, was a, he was assistant pastor. He said, I don't remember what our pastor preached a couple weeks ago. Another guy got on there and said, I don't remember what I preached a couple weeks ago. Well, there's an older pastor that got on there, and he began to write. He said, you know, I don't remember what my wife fixed me for a meal five weeks ago. But I can tell you guys this. Had I not eaten what I ate, my wife prepared for me back then, I wouldn't be the man that I am today. All of a sudden, the forum went quiet. You know, preaching can seem foolish. In fact, the Bible talks about that. First Corinthians 21 for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. I'm so thankful for a church and for a pastor who places an emphasis on the preaching of God's Word. It's what God does. It's what Jesus Christ did. It's the reason He came to preach. And I'm thankful for a pastor who will uh, proclaim, thus saith the Lord. I'm thankful for a pastor who, like it says in Acts 20 verse 27, I've not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God, a pastor who will take the word of God, and whether it's popular or not, let us know what we need to know for our growth in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's what we need, folks. As a church and as individual believers, can I encourage you to place a priority on preaching in your life? Every time the doors are open, be here. And every time this book is open, respond to the preaching of the word of God. Notice number nine, another reason why Jesus came. He said he had come to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is found in Matthew 15 and verse 24. He's speaking to a woman who had asked, come and asked for healing. And he answered and said, I'm not sent but into the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, I love her response. She said, truth, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. You know what? who she's talking about there? She's talking about us. Gentiles. Because the truth of the matter is, Jesus said he'd come to the house of Israel. He'd come to the Jews. Originally, Jesus came to Israel. And Acts 13, 46, though, shows us something that God in his mercy allowed to happen. It says, Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, speaking of the of the Jews. But seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. You know what that shows me? shows me how great God's mercy is. We didn't deserve salvation in the first place, okay? But we especially didn't deserve it as Gentiles. He'd come to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And it just reminds me of how great God's mercy really is. Romans 11 and verse 11 says, I say then, have they stumbled, speaking of the Jews, that they should fall? God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles, for to provoke them to jealousy. And one day, the Jews are going to turn back to the Lord. During that time of tribulation, they're going to realize they missed their Messiah. And they're going to be provoked by those that have received the Messiah to accept him as well. Hey, in the end, God's mercy and grace was so great that it couldn't be contained to one nation. All the nations of the world would be blessed through the seed of Abraham, through the seed of David. And aren't you thankful for that? Hey, you know what? Let's be careful not to just seek to reach the rich. Let's seek to reach the poor as well. Let's not just take the gospel to those that are educated Let's take it to those that are simple as well. Let's not just give the gospel to those that look like us. Let's take it to all mankind, to every soul, not just here in America, but to the uttermost part of the earth. We're here for the same reason that he came. And I'm so thankful that our church places an emphasis on missions because it was God's mercy that allowed the gospel to go to the whole earth. We see Jesus came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Number 10, Jesus came to seek and to save. And I want to focus in on that word seek there. We find it in Luke 19 and verse 10. Jesus said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which which was lost. Now this context that we find here was the story of Zacchaeus. And isn't it interesting that Jesus came to Zacchaeus' town? Isn't it interesting that that Jesus came to Zacchaeus' tree? Zacchaeus was trying to see Jesus, but Jesus saw Zacchaeus a long time before that. Isn't it interesting that that Jesus came to Zacchaeus' house? You know what that shows me? Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus. Aren't you thankful Jesus sought out each one of us? I'm so thankful. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke 9 and verse 56 says, For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And it says, And they went to another village, seeking others to be saved. I love the verse that says that Jesus said, We must needs go through Samaria. They didn't want to go through Samaria. They didn't like the Samaritans' disciples. But Jesus says, We have to go through there. Why? Because there was a woman sitting at that well that Jesus was seeking. I'm so thankful that Jesus came to seek. You know what we need to be doing? Seeking others for them to be saved. I want to do a better job handing out tracts this year. I don't want it to let it become just a trite habit in my life or even to miss doing it. I want to do a better job going out on visitation. I want to encourage you to be there on Wednesday nights and go out on visitation and give out the gospel. Folks, we have to seek. The Bible says go out into the highways and hedges. Compel them to come in to have contact in our community, to give the gospel at your job, in your neighborhood. We have to seek the lost. When we start up our sports ministries, we're going to need help with that. We're going to need help seeking those that need to be saved. Notice number 11, Jesus came to testify of the truth. In in John chapter 18, we find Jesus was speaking to Pilate. In verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. And notice, and for this cause came my end to the world. Why? That I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. You know, it's interesting, I hear this phrase a lot nowadays. People say, well, that's not my truth. Have you heard someone talk about my truth? Well, you know, truth has become, we call it relative, where uh, truth is what it means to you. But I'm here to tell you today, truth is what God has said. And truth is found in this special book that he's revealed and given to each one of us. From cover to cover, Is pure truth. How much are we getting into it? How much are we memorizing it? How much are we meditating on it? Making truth a part of our lives. Truth is rare these days. People people are going after all sorts of things. You know, you you hear about AI. The day is coming when people are going to think AI is truth. It's probably already here in some cases. Can I tell you what truth is? It's the word of God. And Jesus said, I've come to testify of truth. He testified of himself because he was the word of God. Judges 17, 6, though, what happens when people lose truth? When people think that what they have is truth, my truth, what happens? Well, you get chaos. You get violence. You get confusion. Isn't that what we're seeing in our world today? Sure it is. But it's not the first time it's ever happened because in Judges 17 and verse 6, the Bible says every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's my truth. Yeah, well, what happens when your truth contradicts somebody else's truth? And we've got a problem. There's only one truth, and it's God's truth. Let me ask you, are you willing to stand and live for that truth? And number 12, we come to the final reason why Jesus came to this earth. Jesus came to give I love this, abundant life. He came to give abundant life. And we find this in John 10 and verse 10. The Bible says there, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus contrasts that by saying, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. As we close, there's really two types of individuals that get saved. There are those types of individuals that are saved yet so as by fire, the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 15. See say, what does that mean? Well, there are people that get saved and they're saved from hell, saved yet so as by fire. They're not, when they die, they're going to go to heaven. That's what happens when you get saved. That's God's mercy. We deserve to go to hell and pay for our own sins, but God in his grace saves us from hell. Saved yet so as by fire. But unfortunately, there's a lot of Christians, that's as far as life goes for them. They have eternal life. They're not going to lose that. It's eternal. But they don't enjoy the life, the abundant life, that God intended them to enjoy on this earth. Can I encourage you to be someone who's not just saved by fire, but who has life and has it more abundantly? Listen, young people, you haven't lived until you lived life the way God wants you to live life. Until you follow his plan for your life. His will for your life. That's real living. That's abundant living. To trust God in a need that you have and see God come through in a miraculous way. When a health situation arises, to put your faith in him and see God heal. See God answer prayer. I tell you, it's exciting to live the abundant life Tonight, we've seen the reasons that Jesus came. Christmas is over. Now what? Well, let's be busy fulfilling Christ's purpose why he came to this earth. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Tonight, maybe the Lord spoke into your heart in one of these areas. Jesus expressed these things, I believe, As a testimony and a witness to us of what we should be doing. His purpose ought to be our purpose. Jesus came to divide. Will you stand on his side when the line is drawn between the world and him? He came to fulfill the law. Are you loving God's law in your life? He came to do his Father's will. Are you seeking your Father's will? He came to light the world. Are you being the kind of light that you need to be? He came to bring judgment. Are you helping see others Saved from the judgment. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. Are you confronting others about their sin? He came to minister and give his life. Are you here to serve others? He came to preach. Let's lift up God's word and the preaching of his word. He came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm so thankful that his mercy extended beyond that. Jesus came to seek and to save. We need to be seeking others. Jesus came to testify of the truth. What about the truth in your life? Jesus came to give abundant life. Are you living the abundant life tonight as the pianist plays? If God spoke into your heart in one of these areas, I encourage you to come to this old-fashioned altar. Say, Lord, help me to live and make my purpose what your purpose was on this earth. As the piano plays, God spoke to your heart. Won't you come?